me joined on the line now by Nadir Token, analyst at 274 Investment Managers. Good morning, Nadir. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your listeners. Uh, Nadir, uh, we promised we would yesterday, so let's just talk about personal consumption data that came out of the U.S. yesterday. Yes, Sakina, I mean, it was a good top-line number in terms of uh, income growth in the U.S., so we saw 0.4 percentage points increase in income um, in the U.S. for the month of of, of July, and that was followed by a 0.4% increase in income for the month of June. So income is steadily increasing on the increasing trend in in, in the U.S., and uh, that was one of the big points which was raised as to when the Federal Reserve will be raising interest rates, you know, because there's a lot of debate around uh, the unemployment rate falling, but the participation rate at a historical low and uh, you know the Federal Reserve only hiking interest rates once uh, once we see some sort of wage growth and that seems to uh, be filtering through although very slowly Um, the one number which was slightly disappointing I suppose from a US economic growth perspective was that uh, um, the consumption growth only grew by 0.2 percentage points uh, for the month of July so so, so, um, uh, basically US citizens saving uh, most of the, the, the additional money which they're earning, and that took the savings to income ratio up to just under 5%, uh, up from 4% the previous month. So why do we care about all of this data, and why is it relevant for us all the way back in South Africa, Sakina? Because um, the Federal Reserve, in their statement, the FOMC statement last week, continuously reiterated that they're going to remain data-dependent in terms of when they hike interest rates. Now, um, if income is growing, if the unemployment rate is slowing, uh, if the unemployment rate is falling rather, and if GDP growth continues to accelerate at the rate at which it is, um, you know, we're likely to see a Federal Reserve interest rate hike at the September meeting. Um, You know, we saw GDP growth come out at 2.3% for the first quarter. That was a great top line line number. We see unemployment rate, the unemployment rate falling. The only one spanner in the works is that we see inflation still really sluggish and uh, a very subdued oil price now breaking through the $50 a barrel level um, keeping inflation in check with uh, uh, headline inflation at uh, only 0.3% when the Federal Reserve is targeting a 2% level. Um, although if you exclude volatile energy prices, uh, inflation coming in closer to 1.3%. So inflation remains the one spanner in the works to the Federal Reserve intre- increasing interest rates and the first liftoff we're seeing from the most developed economy in almost 10 years. So if we see inflation ticking upwards before the September meeting, I think we definitely have a rate hike on the card, Sakina. And that obviously affects global emerging markets and an outflow of capital from markets like, like South Africa. And that's really why we've been seeing the RAND weakening so substantially over the last two weeks. Nadir, we also have a Eurozone PPI coming out today. Yeah, so that's inflation in the Eurozone. That's obviously really critical because we see an economic uh, recovery really grabbing hold in Europe. We saw the PMI numbers coming out yesterday, which were really positive at 52.4 index points. Uh, We saw rapid expansion in Italy and and Spain, especially with continued robust growth in the manufacturing sector in Germany. Now, with the economic um, recovery well on track, um, you know, Europe really presents and is starting to 
to present um, a, a, an attractive investment destination, um, you know, with equities rem- remaining reasonably priced, um, you know, the, the, the economic re- recovery is really a, a likely to provide some tailwinds. Um, you know, if we start to see some inflation come back into the equation in Europe, we're going to start to see businesses invest in the economy. We're going to start to see consumers consume more because it's expensive to delay that consumption and investment. And it will just be a positive snowball effect of uh, economic growth accelerating even further and the, Euro- and the Eurozone really uh, grain their way out of the doldrums. So, you know, we like, we're hoping to see a positive inflation number. And obviously it's also very material towards uh, how successful Mario Draghi's stimulus program has been. He's been pumping 60 billion euros um, a month into, into uh, European bond markets and the European uh, banking system for quite a while now. And, uh, you know, the, the, the ECB would like to see inflation start to tick higher as that's, what, that's essentially what they were aiming to do by pumping all this liquidity into the system to get economic growth going. And then, Nadir, you know, we've been talking about uh, the commodity prices and the slump we've been seeing there, but um, seemingly on the uptick there, but uh, particularly of import is uh, the price of Brent crude oil at this hour, $49.80 a barrel. Yeah, Sakina, I mean, you know, it, it touched a low of around $45 a barrel earlier this year. We then saw, saw a robust recovery as, you know, uh, traders speculated that it had reached oversold territory, um, and we're seeing it tracing all the way back again. I think fundamentally the concern in this market is that uh, supply just is just outstripping demand by way too large an extent. So we continue to see supply come online. We see the OPEC nations continuing to, uh, you know, max out their, their, their supply capacity, particularly um, the Middle Eastern nations like Saudi Arabia, you know, um, going, uh, going at full steam ahead in terms of production. Now, the issue is that uh, obviously with numbers coming out very disappointingly out of China, and China co- uh, demanding some 45% of global oil production, um, you know, that's obviously a massive dampener um, in terms of uh, who's going to mop up that, ex- that, that sort of demand which China has been demanding for the best part of the last two decades. So, with the markets already being in oversupply, with U.S. crude oil inventories climbing week on week or at best remaining flat week on week, um, you know, and an uncertain demand profile from China, you know, we, we see a, a supply glut and we're seeing the price coming off quite aggressively as a result of that. We're obviously seeing all the major oil companies globally suffer on the back of that. I mean, Exxon and Chevron have reported some 50% drop in earnings, um, you know, in the quarter two numbers we saw in the U.S. We're seeing them um, embarking on massive cost-cutting programs. And uh, we're seeing them putting a lot of new projects on ice with regards to the U.S. shale revolution. Why that's relevant to us here in South Africa is that obviously Sasol forms a major part of our stock market and a major part of many uh, of the public's investments in terms of the retirement funds or personal investments. And we see Sasol is, was actually the largest foreign direct investor in the U.S. economy last year with their $14 billion investment in uh, gas-to-liquid technology in Louisiana. Now, you know, if oil prices prices continue to do what they're doing, Sasol is not going to make that much money with regards to those projects. The only um, sort of respite that Sasol has is that they're working off a weaker rand. But uh, with oil prices coming off as aggressively as they are, that's very little respite, Sakina. So, um, you know, resource companies continue to remain under the cosh. And as long as the demand profile out of China remains uncertain, unfortunately, you don't see any sort of uh, uh, turnaround in that situation.